0: Welcome to Automotive Cybersecurity Talk from the experts at S-Script, leaders in securing automotive embedded systems. Each episode, we cover anything and everything from the evolving world of vehicle cybersecurity. Sit back, enjoy, and let us know what you think.
1: the Automotive Cybersecurity Talk podcast. My name is Karina, and I'm really excited to be your host for this episode. I have been working with S-Script for more than 10 years now, and while working um, in, in several departments, I have witnessed quite a huge grow in the importance of security, especially in automotive ECU design. One of these hot topics I observed in the industry that is still coming up is how to secure the boot mechanism of an ECU. Um, Me personally, I feel there are dozens of different definitions and also terms on what that is, how it's working, how to implement it, and what it means in various scenarios. So today I have invited one of our experts, Rob Lambert, um, and I am, confident that with his 20 years of experience in cybersecurity, he can help us navigate through all of these different terms and mechanisms, how to do Secure Boot. Welcome, Rob.
0: Thank you, Karina. It's good to be here. I, I've, I haven't been at s as long as you, but I have been in the industry a while, and uh, I, I joined Escript uh, about three years ago and uh, I'm happy to be here to talk about Secure Boot.
1: Welcome Rob, thanks. Um, So I'm really excited to learn more about this topic, but before that, can you maybe describe um, a little bit about yourself and what you do at Scrip? You mentioned you're here for three years, but what is your task right now?
0: Yes, so currently I lead for Scrip, a department called the Custom Security Software Engineering Group, and we, we customize software around scripts products. One of the products which we do a lot of work on is a product called the hardware security module or an HSM. And these HSMs are like a little Fort Knox that go inside many ECUs and they're used to keep secrets inside. And one of the things that they also help the ECU to do is to securely boot and, uh, Secure Boot is, is the idea of Secure Boot is to only boot software on the ECU which you know and trust because software is software. It's it's very malleable. You can get a, a little computer to do many, many things and the, the makers of the ECUs want to make sure that these ECUs are doing the proper and authentic work that an ECU should be doing. One of the ways that attackers have been able to Get inside of vehicles and make them do things they shouldn't, is actually uh, being able to rewrite the software in some ECUs. Sometimes they are able to get into a a vehicle through the telecommunications unit, and then they would like to hop maybe to a more more safety-critical unit, maybe like the engine controller or transmission controller. And one of the ways this has been done is to actually take over an ECU on the bus rewrite its software and take it over so that it becomes a a bridge to be able to do bad things in the vehicle. So running secure software, running the proper software in every ECU is a very important thing to do.
1: Thanks, Rob. So in your introduction, you already answered a couple of introductory questions I would have. So,
0: I'm sorry about that.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's actually fine. So you mentioned why we need secure boot and what I understood from you is Secure boot is needed to make sure that the ECU's software is not manipulated. So the attacks that you described sounded pretty scary to me, Um, but if I can ensure that with this secure boot mechanism that the software on the ECU cannot be changed, it will help me to build the security of my my system. Um, Is that summary That's a very
0: good summary. Uh, for example, if we, th- if we think back to the, the very famous Miller and Valisek uh, attack on, uh, on, a, on, a, on a Jeep, one of the things they, they did in order to get, uh, to get their attack to work was to take over uh, a small ECU and write some software on it so that they could use it as a bridge to uh, get to uh, the CAN bus and send messages on the CAN bus. Uh, They were coming from uh, a telecommunications unit and they were able to rewrite some software on this small unit and use it as a as a attack bridge into the into the the system. So uh, if there had been secure boot on that small uh, ECU, they would never have been able to to take it over and make it do things that it wasn't designed to do. Uh, Attackers uh, can be very, uh, very creative people. if they can actually uh, make a, an ECU do something which it's not supposed to, they, they have a lot of freedom to, uh, to make the vehicle also do things which it's not supposed to. So making sure that the software that you run is the software that you want it to run is, is very important.
1: You you mentioned that um, the telematics unit was hacked first. So is Secure Boot something I should consider for all of my ECUs, or is it um, only relevant for certain type of ECUs?
0: I think that it's becoming relevant for more and more of the ECUs in the vehicle. In the telematics unit, it's uh, like, a, they may be like a, a larger computer that you're using and those units may do secure boot in a slightly different way but still it's very important that the software that's running there is uh is the software that you w- want it to uh do want to run there and the reason for that is that's typically the first entry point that an attacker coming in through a, through com- some communications channel maybe a, a, a maybe a cellular channel or maybe another radio channel that's the very first entry point uh, into the vehicle typically. So you want to make sure that you lock the front door of the vehicle, you don't want to leave that open. And in fact, in the in the, the, the case of the hack that we just described, uh, something that was left running on that telematics unit was a debugger, which is uh, really problematic because that debugger was uh, was there and able to be used for, for uh for things which should not happen in the production uh, vehicle, so yeah, it's it's important that you that you secure the software in the, the telematics unit, but also it's it, it's it's pretty clear that it's pretty important to secure the software that's running on safety-critical ECUs, such as the engine controller or the transmission controller or the brake controller. Or the airbag controller—it's—it's pretty—it's—it's it's pretty evident that having the right software running on those components is is important. But it's also becoming important to have the right software running on even small ECUs, which may be in the periphery of the vehicle that are helping to gather data. So, for example, a sensor ECU—you want—you wouldn't want a sensor ECU. To be taken over by an attacker and to introduce some sensor data into the vehicle that could cause dangerous things to happen. For example, it could tell you that there is an unmovable, a non-moving object in front of the vehicle. Even just taking over a sensor, you could do such a thing. So it's starting to be the case that it's important to secure the, the software to make sure the software in, in, in every ECU is authentic.
1: Thank you. That that makes a lot of sense. So. If I design a vehicle, I should make sure that, in an ideal world, I have secure boot on every ECU, even for, for small sensors. But I, I can imagine that this also affects my overall system design. Like you mentioned, a telematics unit is probably more like a big computer running, while I can think that a small system um, or a small sensor ECU is probably not that powerful. So when we talk about secure boot, is it even feasible to implement this on um, all these different types of ECUs and different performance level?
0: Uh, Well, I think that it it, it is possible to to perform secure boot or authentic software checks on many many ECUs of of different types. Um, But there's typically different kinds of facilities available to help you do that so maybe in the telematics unit this might be a microprocessor unit and a microprocessor unit might have uh, a a means of secure boot that's that's using for example uh, signatures over pieces of software now typically the signatures are are over a a small initial piece of software and you can think of secure boot as kind of like a multi-stage rocket you want to uh, you want to get the rocket securely off the ground, so you you first secure the the initial stage of the rocket. So that typically is called a boot manager or boot loader sometimes. And even in the the telematics unit, you would want to secure that very first part of the of the of the rocket's takeoff. Uh, in a, in a microprocessor, this is often done by checking an RSA signature directly. Uh, Typically, the 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 signature is is made on a, on a on a small piece of software to, that begins the, the the work of the of the of the say the telematics unit of uh, say the the infotainment unit. I'm I'm thinking about and and then uh, and that's done by checking by having the hardware uh, put the put the microprocessor in a mode where that signature is checked and the actual. Uh, key Public key of the, that is associated with the signature is also checked, because those those signatures are, are, are sorry those public keys are are usually fairly long. Often only a hash of those of those public keys are, are stored in, in maybe fuses on the on the microprocessor, uh, and then now you have one small piece of software that's going to run. In, on the on the microprocessor and it's used to check say signatures on higher level pieces of of code that will run in the microprocessor so that's that's one way that it might be done on a large microprocessor microprocessor based system and then on smaller ECUs there are, are other ways that it might be done uh, often often this is done using the HSM facilities itself
1: Wow, thank you, Rob. That was a lot of information. So just to make sure I got everything right, um, I really liked the the idea of a rocket launch for secure boot. So what you said was um, when you launch a rocket, you secure the first stage, and then once this is running successful, you can take care of of the rest of the system. Um, I I never heard of this picture before, but I really do like it because I think it makes a lot of sense. So. You don't have to tackle the whole block of software at once, but you, ch- you start with a small piece and then you build from there. Um, what I also understood is you mentioned in all of your solutions on the um, telematics controller, but also on the lower end controllers, um, that you should have a hardware um, function or support to secure the boot mechanism, right? So as a, Root of trust, maybe have that in hardware?
0: That's right. I mean, uh, it's it's always best to have that Root of trust as a hardware component. And the reason for that is software is malleable and it can be changed. So if you only rely on the software on the ECU to check the software on the ECU, well, you're in a problem.
1: I also mentioned that there are different ways, even on a microcontroller and um, controllers or systems that are not as powerful as a microprocessor, to have different ways on how to do secure boot. When I talked to customers or other people in automotive industry, I usually come across a lot of different terms. People talk about secure boot, trusted boot, authenticated boot, and so on and so forth. You, you name them. Um, Can you quickly describe what the differences are between of these um, or at least what uh, makes them more or less powerful over the other?
0: Certainly. So uh, you're right. The situation is pretty messy. Uh, Each company uh, and each OEM typically has their, their own nomenclature for the different types of boot or secure boot that's happening. Uh, and they allow sometimes they allow different styles to happen uh, depending on on the, the applicability to the ECU in question cool name for this style of of uh, of booting is authenticated boot where you have the the, the host and the HSM startup together uh, and the the code that's that's used in, on the host side is is in in one-time programmable memory that's typically called an authenticated boot and then, that software that you trust on the host will will actually use the HSM to help validate the higher level stages of the rocket. So it could go to the HSM and say, okay, uh, the bootloader is good. I know this is a one-time programmable memory. And now I'm going to ask the HSM, uh, can you please check, uh, for example, this early stage of the application that I, that I want to run? Um, and check that to see if it has been modified or not and and the checking is actually happening in the it's being actually requested by the host uh, f- uh firmware the host boot manager is this style where you st- you start them both up and you have the you have the uh the, the the host code immutable uh another word that another way that that's possible to do is to actually have that initial stage the very first stage checked by the HSM before before it's used um, in script, we call this autonomous authenticated boot. So there's another flavor of authenticated boot. Um, uh, we we also uh, call that a secure boot, where the the HSM starts first and the host is held in reset, and you you actually check every last portion of the host software before it's run. That's we typically call secure boot. Trusted boot is somewhere in between where you get the HSM to start up first and it checks only uh, some sections of software on the ECU uh, to check if they're valid before it starts up the host. And then the host may trigger further portions to be checked.
1: Then as you mentioned, um, a lot of OEMs and tier ones and even um, HSM solution providers, they all have their own little names and flavors for different types of of Secure Boot. But what I understood now is there are more or less three main categories of how to do that. The first one is the HSM is checking everything, and then the host is released, which, as I understood you now, is the most secure one, but also the slowest. That's Um,
0: right.
1: The second category that you can maybe apply to Secure Boot is where the HSM is only checking some parts of the host software, and then the host is released. This is kind of a mixture between it's more secure than the third category that I come to, um, but it's more, it, it's faster than the complete check, like the secure boot. So the, the second category is the HSM checks a little bit of it, um, but we also gain performance increases because the host can start sooner. And then the last category is where both of the HSM and the host start in parallel, which is, I assume, the fastest option we can have, but also it's less secure um, because the HSM is checking while the host is already running. What happens if we do the secure boot, so we are really secure, and then it fails and the host cannot even start? So I am stuck with the bricked ECU or how...
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, and sometimes in some situations, you, you're not allowed to be stuck with a brick because right. this ECU that you're, you're talking about may be a security critical ECU and it, it needs to function in order to make the vehicle uh, safe to use. So uh, often what is done is uh, if, the, if the HSM detects that some portions of the software are, are not, are not, are not uh, unmodified, then it, what it, it, it can do is it can actually turn off access to some of the secrets that it, it keeps for uh, ECU operation. But it can still allow the ECU to boot. And you could think of this as uh, allowing the ECU to go into a, a limp hone mode or a, a, a configuration where uh, the designer of the ECU will make sure that the, the ECU behaves in a safe mode, but uh, some of the some of the security access that the ECU would otherwise get will be denied. For example, it may not be able to, to use certain keys inside of the, the HSM. The alternative is very secure and um, maybe not very nice, and that is to not allow the host to, 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 to boot in the case of, of, uh, of, of secure boot or uh, to uh, disable uh, functionality uh, in the case that the, the HSM uh, detects that the, the, the host software is is not valid to, um, to that and that, that kind of uh, that that kind of disabling might might be hardware induced there may be some hardware capability for the, the HSM to disable uh, maybe certain bus accesses or things like that to actually make the ECU not functional so this is a this is a, a question that needs to be thought of pretty early in the ECU design. Is it a safety critical ECU? What would happen if uh, if we detect some modified software in the ECU, and how do we manage to either put it in a, a, a limp home mode, or or is it actually uh, better for certain ECUs to actually make them not function?
1: This is a really interesting um, interesting point. I was just While you were talking, I was just thinking about all the people I have to talk to when I implement a secure boot. So um, from your explanation, I understood that I need to for sure talk to my security manager or a security expert on how to implement secure boot in a, well, secure way. But then I also need to talk to system architecture people for what is my boot up time, how fast do my ECU... So does my ECU has to be um, on the bus, and then I also have to talk to safety guys, checking on what do we do? I need to and in, in, uh, what do I need to do to ensure that the safety is not impacted by whatever I implement for secure boot? Um, are there any other people I need to talk to? Probably maybe production when I do secure boot, and I always hear about high volume production has to be very fast, very quick. So is there an impact um, where I have to align as well with production, I guess?
0: Definitely. I mean, typically, the the systems that are put in place to uh, facilitate uh, secure boot are things such as uh, installation of certificates and then actually uh, calculation of these message authentication codes. You say when the ECU is operating in the field, there are constraints on, on the design that make sure that it can boot up in, in the time and get out the messages that it needs to get out to make the vehicle uh, start up in, in, in the required time frame for the vehicle design. And then the, maybe the third one uh, we didn't talk about is sometimes things go wrong and the, the manufacturers are very interested in being able to uh, understand uh, what happened in the, in the field, or to be able to uh, maybe reinitialize uh, and, and uh, repurpose parts that they, they uh, are getting from the field that uh, maybe had some problem with them. So actually, being able to do the, the, the uh, return manufacturer analysis, the RMA work on these vehicles is also something that should be considered at the design phase, and, and should, should, it's going to interact with the design of how the, the uh, these secure software uh, uh, mechanisms that you're going to put in place are also going to affect this. Uh, and it's, that may also in- interact with the, the, the way that these um, ECUs are diagnosed. So typically there's a diagnostic access to ECUs that you might happen in, in your garage or might happen in the, at, the, at the OEM that also is going to be affected. So all of the design and engineering that goes around diagnostic access is also something that needs to be considered when you're talking about secure boot. So there, unfortunately, I think that there are many, many departments and people that uh, the security engineers uh, need to talk to to make sure that uh, things happen properly and and that uh, things are not impacted in a negative way.
1: Wow, I, I think that is a perfect um, message that that I I think we should um, or we want to give our listeners. If you implement secure boot and you um, learned about it on the discussion we just had, I think what what I think the most important point is talk to your other departments and colleagues as early as possible. Um, this sounds to me you should start thinking about how to implement secure boot with all parties involved right from the beginning when you start to design your ECU.
0: I think that's a very, very wise advice. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> things things will uh, become much more difficult at some later time. And and to do things, to do things, uh, unplanned things later in a program are always difficult.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Rob. I, I think um, I learned a lot and I, I'm at least um, way more clear on all the different terms and what I need to pay attention to. Um, I learned a lot, and I think um, I also identified a lot of points where where we and our listeners should should pay really close attention to Well, thank you so much, Rob, for being my guest today. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and yeah, thanks a lot
0: very welcome. Great to talk with you, Karina.
1: Um, I also want to say a big thank you to everyone who was listening to us. Um, and if you're interested in any further information on Secure Boot, I would like to point you to our website where you can find a dedicated webinar recording in the news and events section. It's talking about introducing HSM technology and trusted boot. Um, So if you are interested in that, go to our website and check out the the recording that is available there. Um, Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a lot. And see you in our next episode, which will talk about Automotive Ethernet.
0: Thank you for joining this episode of Automotive Cybersecurity Talk. Please leave a comment or review with your feedback or what you'd like to hear in future episodes. To learn more about vehicle cybersecurity and S-Script's capabilities,
1: visit our website at sscript.com. That's sscript,
0: E-S-C-R-Y-P-T dot com.